0: On this day 20 years ago, I was privileged enough to actually deliver Benaya. the OB looked at me and said, you want to deliver this child? We didn't know if he was going to be a boy or a girl. I said, yeah, I'm not good with blood. I'm not good with medical type situations. And um, she said, glove up. <laughs> and so I caught him and I handed him back to his mother with all the things still attached. And she looked at me and she goes, happy birthday. This is all you're getting. So uh, he turns 20 today and I turn 30. So that's a miracle of God in itself. (laughs) So it is a special day. I want to give you just a little spiritual vitamin this morning. I want to give you something that I think will charge you up and prepare you for the day of service that's ahead of us as well as encourage you for the week. And I want to do something a little bit different, a little bit unique uh, and that I'm just going to be sharing, I'm going to be teaching as much as I can like Jesus today and that I'm going to be sharing his words and his stories and framing them into a cohesive narrative to remind us of the gospel and the various responses to it and uh, maybe it mirrors our own journey of faith. And so I just want to tell narrative after narrative after narrative in the short time we have together this morning like a spiritual vitamin just affiliate with scripture week I try to provide as much as God's thoughts and ideas as possible, but I thought this week in a unique way I try and do this uh, just by sharing a string of parables that Jesus taught that illustrate a journey of faith. Once upon a time, all of the right people were mad at Jesus. All of the people with money, all the people with influence, all the people with authority, they were irritated with him uh, for one specific reason, and you can find this Recorded in Luke chapter fifteen verses in one and two, and and it was the Pharisees and it was the religious leaders. It was the men and women of influence and power. They were so irritated with Jesus, and and they said this. They said, "Oh my goodness, what is it? Because poor people were coming to listen. The wrong people were coming to listen to Jesus. The ones with issues. The ones that thought the temple might fall down on them if they came. If they were even worthy to come at all. And so they would come to Jesus outside in the public places." And, and the, the, the right people were so irritated with Jesus about this, they said this, that here come all these sinners and lousy people coming to hang out with Jesus, and he teaches them and he accepts them, and this is what called them more than anything else. He even eats with them. He even shares a meal with them. He even breaks bread with them. And while our culture is different than their culture, that still means something, to have a meal with somebody. It's absolutely a sign of respect and love, and even more so in the first century church. It really ticked off all the right people. And Jesus said this, he told three parables in quick succession, and because he knew who his audience was. He wanted to talk to the people who came to hear about God's love for them, and he also wanted to share God's love with the people who thought they were the right people, but were actually the wrong people, that they needed to humble themselves. And he said this, he said, once upon a time, there was a, a lady, a widow, who had ten coins, and she was going about her business, and she happened to check on her coins, and it illustrated all the money that she had. And she noticed that one of her coins was missing. She dropped everything that she was going about that day. She lit a few lamps. She got out of broom. room. She moved all of her furniture and she swept every corner of her house until she found that lost coin. And then when she found that coin, she called all of her girlfriends. And they had a big party that afternoon. And they celebrated the fact, and this is what they celebrated. They said, Come and celebrate with me because I had 10 coins and I had nine, but one was gone. And I found that coin. Come and celebrate with me and you can imagine the wrong people their ears are picking up why is this Jesus goes on another time a shepherd was out in the field and he had 100 sheep that were under his care and he brought them back into the town that night as dusk was starting to settle and as he brought them through the sheep gate as was the process during that day he, he it was a very simple matter to count because it The the wall had a narrow entrance for the sheep. And as the sheep went into the sheep pen, he just had to stand there and run his hand over the sheep as they came back in. And that's how he was counting. And he got to 96, 97, 98, 99, and then there were no more sheep. And he said, this is not going to work. All of my sheep are precious and holy to me. 99 are safe. Yay for them. Let's go find the one that's lost. And he would not take his dinner. He would not take his rest. He got his folks, they went out, and they found that sheep, and they brought that sheep back into the safety of the fold, because nobody gets left behind. Once upon a time, there were two boys who were lost. Both of the boys were lost. Both of the sons were lost. This is the parable of the lost boys. The younger one said, Dad, I wish you were dead. In fact, I'm not kidding. Give me the money that I'll get when you die. And so, oddly enough, the dad was invested in real estate because that's the currency of the day. He sold off land and property and then put it into liquid cash. And he gave it to the youngest son that wanted him, that, that said, basically, Dad, I'm done living under your authority and control. I wish you were dead. And he settled his account and gave him his inheritance early. The boy went off to a distant land and, and spent the money foolishly and found himself in a desperate place and a famine came into the land now he's hungry and poor and he convinces a farmer to hire him so that he can feed the pigs and he's like man I wish someone would feed me as well as these pigs are being fed I just need to go home and say to my dad I've sinned against God and I've sinned against you would you take me back as one of your hired men of course he didn't even get a chance to say the speech that he wanted to give to his dad because his dad looking for his lost son Finds him from a distance and runs to him, the patriarch of the family embraces the son hey guys I need you to do three things for me I need the best robe, I need the best ring and I need that fatty calf dead right now because we're having a party and the party begins and the older son who was also lost, he's out in the field and so the younger son who was dead is now alive and so let's celebrate the older son hears the party going on the father goes out to him as well the older boy is mad. Everything I've always, you've always asked me to do, I've always done. You've never even given me a skinny goat. Never mind a fat cow. Dad, you're an idiot. And dad says, your younger brother who is dead is now alive. He's done the wrong things and now he's doing the right things. Would you come and join our celebration? And we don't know how the parable ends, but we know that that boy is lost because he had to repent of his good works. The Pharisees were listening to this repentance is for everybody we know that the people who sin have to turn from their sin right but the people who pride themselves in how they're earning merit before god need to repent of that too because there is only one way to come to salvation that's through faith in jesus christ and his righteousness and his good works so whether we're the right people or the wrong people this is what jesus is saying everybody is lost and needs to come to the father who is seeking what does God think of me? This is the question. These are the parables that Jesus taught. And answer that question. We're like a lost coin that's worth tearing the house apart to find. We're like a lost sheep that wandered off for some sweet grass. The shepherd will come for you. We're like one of two lost boys. We're either lost in our sin or lost in our righteousness. or sense of moral superiority. And the father comes to us and calls us to repentance. This is what the gospel calls what does God think of. Me. What's the wrong response? The wrong response can also be found in the Gospel of Luke. Once upon a time a landowner planted a tree, a fig tree, in his garden and he came out to the chief gardener and he goes, Timmy, that was the gardener's name. I just made that up. It's my birthday. Timmy, I planted this tree three years ago and there's still no figs on this tree. In fact, I'm going to call it the barren fig tree. And Timmy, the gardener, said, Master, tell you what, let's give this tree one more year. And and I'm going to fertilize it in a special way. And next year, if there's no fruit, then we're going to cut that sucker down. We're going to dig up that stump and give it to something that's going to bear fruit. It's the wrong response. The late fig tree, the fig tree that has all of the resources poured into it and does nothing. And it produces no fruit. That's the wrong response to the lost coin, the lost sheep and the lost boys another wrong response once upon a time a man whom the bible describes as covered in sores and illness was begging at the door of a very rich man And interestingly enough we don't know the name of the rich man but we know the name of the beggar listen through first century ears you're poor you're the wrong person we know the name of the beggar but we don't know the name of the rich man the poor man's name was Lazarus and, and he was begging all the time and the rich man really didn't do much for him one day, uh, they both died, and Lazarus goes to what is called the bosom of Abraham. It's the Jewish concept of heaven. You're drawn into Father Abraham's bosom, his embrace at the dinner table. And the, and the rich man goes to Gehenna, the place of weeping and gnashing of teeth, where there's fire, uh, distant from God. You don't want to be near God. You don't have to. That's where you go. It's not a nice place. The rich man in his torment looks up to Abraham and Lazarus hanging out together, sharing a meal, and Father Abraham, send Lazarus just to dip his finger in some cool water and rest my tongue because everything is in flames and I'm in torment. And Abraham says, my son, my child, and during your life you had all the comfort that you wanted and you didn't do a good job sharing it. And Lazarus had nothing and now he's into his peace and you are getting what you deserve. Well, in that case, send somebody from the dead. Send Lazarus back to tell my family to not be the idiot that I was. And this is what Abraham says, even if someone were to come back from the dead, they have Moses and the law and the prophets, and they can't be bothered to read God's word, they won't listen to someone even if they come back from the dead. The wrong response. The lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost boys. The wrong response is to not bear fruit for our Savior. The wrong response is to enjoy everything now, not setting anything aside for the kingdom. To close our hearts and our minds to God's word, because even then, the power of the resurrection of Jesus is meaningless to us. And finally, once upon a time, the wrong response. A farmer went out to go plant good seed in his field, and he planted the wheat. But that night, an enemy came and sowed weeds, crabgrass, in with that wheat. A few weeks went by, and the servants came back and said, Master, the wheat is starting to spring up, but so is the junky stuff. Somebody did something. Should we go and cut all the junky stuff down? And the master says, no, if you, if you take out the weeds now, you will also harm the wheat. Let them grow up together, and then when the wheat has full maturity and fruit, then we will harvest everything and we'll separate the weeds from the wheat. The weeds will be destined to fire, and the wheat will be brought into my barn. The wrong response. Don't be a weed. <laughs> Don't allow the devil to sow his seeds in our lives. But allow the Heavenly Father to sow a good seed. And understand that while we are growing in the wisdom and the knowledge of the Lord. That weeds will grow up with us. It's not because there is no God. It's because God is kind even to weeds. That's why. The lost son. The lost coin. And the lost sheep. It's the answers the question. What does God think of me? And the wrong response. We just illustrated by Jesus' teachings. Three different ways. The wrong response. What is the right response? Once upon a time, according to Matthew chapter 13, a man was going for a walk in the field called Sheldon Park. And as he was walking along the three-tenths of a mile trail, he, he saw something that caught his eye that he thought might be a hazard to a child later that afternoon. So he stooped down and he picked it up. And he saw that that rock led to another series of rocks and it opened up to a big hole in the ground where there was a pile of Confederate dollars, except maybe gold, actually worth something. And the man, so excited, covered over the pot of gold that he found on Sheldon Park, and he ran back after the event was over and talked to Ryan Aubin and bought the park. He leveraged every dollar he had to buy the park, knowing that a fortune awaited him Out on the trail. So I changed that one a little bit. But you know what I'm talking about. A man goes out and walks in the field and finds buried treasure. Goes back and sells everything he has. Leverages everything he has so that he can buy the field. Knowing that when he has the field, he has the gold. It'll set him up for life. Once upon a time, a guy who knew about pearls was looking for a valuable pearl. And came through the pearl market. And happened to see a pearl of great price. A pearl that was worth a fortune. Knowing what the pearl was worth, he kept his mouth closed. He kept it a secret. He went and leveraged everything he had. Sold it all so that he could buy that one oyster containing that pearl. Knowing that he would have all that he needs for the rest of his life. The right response involves leveraging everything. Treating the gospel of Jesus Christ as more valuable than all we have wrapped up together. And finally, the right response what would it gain a man if he were to give everything away and, 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 and lose his soul? What would it gain what would a man give in exchange for eternity? He would give everything is the teaching of Jesus. We're taught that the right response is to treat the gospel of Jesus as the most valuable thing we could ever obtain. And to leverage everything continually so that we might become more and more familiar with the promise of salvation and forgiveness of sins found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And finally, what is our responsibility? A rich guy went on a journey for a long time, and he talked to the master slave, the chief slave of the house, and said, Manage my house while I am gone, and when I come back, I hope to find everything the way it's supposed to be. Well, the master was gone a lot longer than he was supposed to be, and so the slave started leveraging the master's resources to party. And he started abusing his fellow servants and fellow slaves, and when the master came back, he beat that slave and cast him out of the house Because as slaves of Jesus Christ, we have a responsibility to be found trustworthy, even though the Lord tarry, and to not be living lives of wild, raucous debauchery, and to love each other well. There was a wedding that ten bridesmaids were getting prepared for. And five of them were wise bridesmaids, and five of them were foolish. The five wise ones brought extra oil for the lamp so they gave the appropriate welcome to the bridegroom when he came. The five foolish ones were not prepared for any kind of a delay at all. And sure enough, the bridegroom tarried in a celebration, and five were prepared to greet him, and five were not allowed to come into the party at all. Because the ones who actually loved the bridegroom and his new wife, who wanted to celebrate with him, were prepared to wait. Knowing that it was going to be worth the wait. And then finally, by way of conclusion, Vincent, you can come up on back up with your team, please, as we wrap up our time together this morning. A rich man went on a long journey, and he, he, he found three of his, his servants. And to one servant, he gave $100,000. To another servant, he gave $50,000. And to the final servant, he gave $25,000. And said, Put this money to good work while I'm gone. The master was gone for an extended period of time, and he came back. And Jesus says, this is the right response for those of us who have accepted his gospel. The servant who had $100,000 put that money to work, started numerous businesses, and doubled his money. He now had $200,000, which he offered back to his master. The second servant who had fifty dollars did the same, doubled his money. He now had $100,000, offered it back to his master. The master said, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and enter into my joy. The last servant said, man, you are a hard dude. (laughs) You scrabble where you, you you try to harvest where you didn't plant. You try to reap where you didn't sow. I took your $25,000 and I buried it under my mattress. He was a swamp yank. And he gave it back. Here's your $25,000. I did nothing for you while you were gone except not spend your money. But I didn't leverage anything for you. He said, you lazy bum. And he beat him. New Testament, there's a lot of beating going on. He beat him cast him out. Give that $25,000 to the guy that has $200,000. Give him $225,000 because I know he will invest it wisely for my purposes. This is what Jesus says is the right response. And this morning, this is my final gospel challenge as we move to just another opportunity to worship the Lord. And then uh, we'll have lunch here in a little bit and finish our preparations for the day. The gospel calls us leverage everything. It's like a hidden treasure. It's like a hidden pearl. It's like the sheep that we leave the 99 for. We tear the house apart for the one coin. We go and run to those who have wandered off, right? We're considered faithless if this is not our approach to the gospel. And so today is an opportunity for us as individuals to recommit ourselves with faith to Jesus. Maybe there's an area of our lives that we have not been leveraging for the Lord. We've been for ourselves out of fear or uh, insecurity for some of us today maybe we've never given anything to jesus and we've never made a decision of faith and after hearing the words of jesus in this summary fashion we realize god's kindness to us and we decide that we want to begin leveraging our lives for him it sounds like this Heavenly father i'm the lost coin i'm the lost sheep I'm the son that thought I did everything right and now I'm realizing that I'm not as great as I thought I was or I'm the son that's been running from you for far too long. Too many houses have been torn apart looking for me. Too many shepherds have spent nights looking for me and I've kept got even more lost. And now I understand your kindness to me and it's time for me to repent of that foolishness and come home to you so that I may have the privilege of leveraging everything for you because you leveraged everything for me. I accept Jesus Christ by faith. I repent of the sins that I know of. I'll continue to repent of the sins as you reveal them to me. Would you bring me home? And as a church, we're leveraging everything today. Taking a big risk. Nobody does this, folks. And I mean nobody. Nobody's this crazy. Nobody's this bold. Nobody opens up a church service by saying, let your kids run amok, Literally with three piles of mud standing in front of them. Nobody does that. We're leveraging everything. Everything we have is out here today. Just what little stuff remains in the trailer. We're running great risk. We do have an insurance policy covering today, but don't make me spend it. We're leveraging everything. And we do every Sunday, too, but today is kind of special. So, it's an opportunity to serve. It's an opportunity to get tired. It's an opportunity to get worn out. It's an opportunity to share the love of God that we know with some who don't. 256 kids in county, over 140 families are going to be here at 2 o'clock this afternoon. Maybe they're men and women of faith, raising their families according to the law and wisdom of the Lord. Many of them are not. Today might be the closest they've come to the gospel in a really long time. And we're here. together this morning, Uh, whether it's uh, one of the narratives that we shared this morning or uh, one of the prayers that we prayed or one of the songs that we sang. I pray that this is like a vitamin, this time together, this fellowship together, as we unite. You're not alone in leveraging everything today. You're in good company. So we're going to ask the Lord's blessing on the rest of our time together and the meal to come and, of course, our activity this afternoon. But that's the challenge, that the gospel call is so precious to us that we don't leave anything on the table. Nothing. Because it means everything to us. That's what it means to be saved. That's what it means to be a Christian. There is no other understanding of the gospel without leveraging everything. Knowing that God will meet all of our needs as we do. So would you join me as I pray and we wrap up our time together this morning. Heavenly Father, we have come to realize that being able to leverage everything is a gift. It's a precious opportunity. For too long, we spent living for ourselves. For too long, we tried to provide everything for ourselves and tried to be the best this and the best that and the most capable of every other thing. For too long, some of us have run from your kindness. But now we know now we know that it is a privilege to have days like today, where whether in word or deed, there is one purpose, that your gospel will be proclaimed in a way that is attractive. Heavenly Father, we pray for those who are coming this afternoon. We pray for those of us who will be here to serve. We pray that decisions of faith will be made. We pray that we would have a Pray that when we look back on this day from eternity, we see that some people's eternity has changed because of our desire and the privilege that we have today to leverage everything for you. It's like a pearl, Father. We can't help but sell everything. It's like gold beyond our richest dreams. It's like the relationship we always wanted. It's how we feel.